And all of a sudden that number went from around, you know, starting in the high eights, I think the, the Leafs wanted to start all the way to 11.5, which personally, even though I am a Nylander truther and Stan, I didn't see that coming. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Back after the Christmas break, the Christmas holidays are over. It's the new year. The World Juniors are in the rearview mirror right now, and we didn't get the outcome that we all wanted here in Canada. But now that it's the new year, we're focusing on the NHL again, and we're back after, what's it been, Case? Like three three weeks or so, I think? Maybe yeah, even like longer? Yeah, so it, it feels like it anyway, you know, considering we do episodes weekly. But just myself today, Chad Melbourne, joined by Casey Abrams, no Harper Cody. He's feeling a bit under the weather. We're going to be talking about the newly signed William Nylander extension, as well as the trade that shocked the hockey world, Cutter Gauthier, for Jamie Drysdale and a second. But before we get into all of that, Casey, how are you doing? Doing good. Um, If I block out in the middle of this episode, it's because I was just shoveling the driveway and apparently I'm out of shape. (laughs) Um, God, that was tough. And it, you know, I haven't had to do it yet this year because there's been no weather. Well, we're getting hit by it now. And I was seeing spots. Yeah. And and this is like the worst snow too, because it's heavy. Like it's It's wet wet snow. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the absolute worst. I went to school today for the first time in a while, trekking all the way up to, to Osgood in, in North York and back. And that was just, it, it was just that it was a trek because the weather was so bad. And Paige came home from work early today because of the same reason. But, uh, yeah, so the weather's not great. We didn't have a white Christmas, but here it is when we least want it, uh, in the middle of January. So thanks for that one, mother nature. But all of that aside, it was a good break. I feel like the boys, uh, were, are rejuvenated. We have lots of good ideas coming up for the new year. Um, Lots of big trades going down in fantasy and all of that stuff. And and of course, we'll get to that as the year goes on. But what we wanted to talk about today and what I was particularly excited for is the William Nylander contract extension. And Case, I'm, I'm sure you have some thoughts about this. Um, but before I pass it to you, I'll just read the very basics. Eight years, $11.5 million AAV for $92 million total. Nylander will be 28 when the deal kicks in. He'll be 36 when it's done. Uh, it's 13.7% of the cap this year because the cap's $83.5 million. Next year, when it actually kicks in, uh, in the very first year of the deal, it's 13.1% of the cap uh, as the cap is expected to raise to $87.7 million. So, Case, what were your thoughts on the deal? D- did you ever think that Nylander was getting traded or, or that this deal wasn't going to get done? It just what, what are your general thoughts on it? I personally did not think that Nylander was going anywhere. I thought that if anything, they were going to ship someone else out because Nylander has been kind of consistently the best player on the Leafs this year. I mean, Matthews has in spurts been way better, but he also disappeared early on in the year and et cetera. Anyways, Nylander has been the guy so far. He was also one of their best players in the playoffs last year, if not the best player for the playoffs. And I just think that they needed to keep him around. They needed to keep the four 
uh, the core four around and they had to pay him because his number is only increasing as this year goes on. It makes a lot more sense now that I hear you say it's 13.1% of the cap next year because then that matches Marner and you're not you know, pissing anyone off there except for maybe you know Tyler Bertuzzi or Domi or any of the other guys who are sitting <laughs> yeah. there wondering how they're ever going to get paid now. So mm-hmm. I'm not... I'm not looking at it like this is a bad move or a good move. All I wonder is what is the future going to hold for this team? Because this has some pretty big implications on this team. It really does. And I feel like that's the question on everyone's mind. Like, what is this team going to look like after next season when Nylander's new deal kicks in, Matthew's new deal has kicked in for a year, and then JT and Mitch Marner are both up? What's going to happen then? So it's... It is. It's a bold decision by Brad Living to sign this deal. We know he loves his long-term, high-dollar amount deals. Uh, he's done a few of those, some good, some bad. But it, it's it's a bold decision here. And I think from what it sounds like, from from just you know listening to different podcasts and reading different articles from uh, some of the, the big insiders, it seems like the main reasoning was uh, or for getting this deal done right now instead of waiting until the end of the season was just to have some some cap certainty going forward so that they can make a move at the deadline. So I liked it for that reason. But in terms of the dollar amount, you know, going into this season, the comparables were pretty clear, right? It was Timo Meyer. He signed that deal and, and their production was pretty similar. Sebastian Ajo, I think most people would argue that at the time, Ajo was a better player and and is also a centerman, whereas Nylander is a winger. So those were the two comparables. And very quickly, after a really great start to the season, William Nylander and his camp laughed all the way to the bank because he's on pace for 120 points. He's having a career year. And all of a sudden, that number went from around, you know, starting in the high eights, I think, that the Leafs wanted to start all the way to 11.5, which personally, even though I am a Nylander truther and Stan, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, they started pointing their fingers at Pasternak pretty quick after the start of the season saying, that's the guy you should start comparing us to. Yeah, which is interesting too, because when you look at Pasternak's deal, 11.25 on a long-term deal in Boston, when he signed it, it, it's almost identical in terms of percentage of the cap. So then you start to have this conversation with Nylander going forward, you know, that's the kind of production you're going to expect the year that he's, he's on pace to have right now, 120 points. You know, I don't think he's necessarily going to score 60 plus like Pasternak does or, or did the one year, but I don't know, man, it gets pretty tricky because expectations go sky high when you make that much money. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe if we want to move to what we expect the future to look like for this team, sure. because I don't think either of us are going to argue that Nylander de- de- didn't deserve this money. Like the guy's been phenomenal. So my questions start to become, you know, what happens to Tavares in the future? What's his contract going to look like when it's up? Uh, what is Marner's at the same time coming up look like? And then you've got, um, there's a ton of players that this is their final year. And then next year, there's a ton of players in their final year. So there's a lot 
changing in this team. And I'm curious to see what these contracts are going to look like. I also think that next year could be a fucking ridiculous year for this team because Marner is going to be in that contract year playing out his ass, trying to get you yeah. know, uh, more like 13.9% of the cap next year. <laughs> and Tavares is going to be up. So I don't think he's going to be looking to play himself into a bigger contract, obviously, but you know, it's still he's still going to be pushing. And then like a guy like Matthew Nyes is also going to be up. So I think that a lot of these guys are going to be playing out their asses next year and new contracts are kicking in. Everyone's feeling good. If they can put together a few bottom six players and defensemen who just kind of bump and grind and are enough to get by, like I don't know, this team could get scary if they finally figure out a goalie. That's interesting that you say that actually, because I was doing some math and, and I'll go through it here for you, but just uh, to, to start like surface level, it's, it's interesting that you say next year could be the year because next year will actually be the season where the top four forwards will be taking up the most amount of cap space combined mm-hmm. just because the, uh, the Matthews and the Nylander deals kick in and then Tavares and Mitch are still on their current deals. And, and this is by projections, by the way, like who knows the following year, it could be more, but um, this was some of the math that I did. So we know that the cap is going up four and a half million dollars next season. That's what Gary Bettman said in a press conference about, I don't know, a month, six weeks ago or so. And it's all but confirmed, right? It might actually be confirmed, but we're not exactly sure until we see it on cap friendly, you know, at the start of next season. So we'll, we'll err on the side of caution for that. But four and a half million dollars is what it's expected to go up. The Leafs spent about 6.2 million between Nylander and Matthews getting their extensions done. So between those two players, they're spending an additional $6.2 million. That's because Matthews goes from 11.634 up to 13.25. And Nylander goes from about 6.9 up to this new 11.5. So they're spending a little bit more than the cap increase, which is a little bit tough. But like we were talking about, after next season, Mitch and JT are both up. Their contracts are finished. So I was thinking that John Tavares could get a similar deal to Anze Kopitar, who got two years, $7 million AAV. Um, when he signed that, he was 36. So maybe a little extra term for JT, maybe an extra million or $2. I think that would be reasonable. And then it seems like the Leafs have already kind of set their salary cap expectations for Mitch. If they want to keep him, it's going to be more than Willie and less than Matthews. And you can't argue any more than Matthews. And and if you're the player, it, it starts with Nylander's number and, and increases from there. So I think a reasonable deal for him, and this is all just, you know, thinking ahead to the future could be something like $12.5 million. So The season after that, and stay with me here because there's just a little bit more math, but I'm almost done. The season after that, so 25-26, the cap on cap friendly is projected to go up to about $92 million. That would be a $4.3 million increase. So this would would mean that if JT got $8 million, Mitch got $12.5, then the top four players on the team, the the big four forwards, in terms of percentage of the cap, would be taking up 49%. Okay, this year it's forty-eight percent. We're it's essentially the same thing. But then next year, and I already alluded to this, um, with those big four tickets 
on uh, on the cap, it'll be about 53%. So an additional 4%. So that's just some math there. Next year is where I think it's going to hurt them the most. But then going forward, so long as the cap continues to go up and there's not um, you know, a, a worldwide event that shuts down sports and prevents the cap from going up a reasonable amount each year, it should be smooth sailing or at least the same level of sailing as they are right now. You can argue if that's bad or not, but they've been a pretty good regular season team with those four guys. Yeah. And when I, well, when I'm looking at next year and I say that I'm interested to see how they, you know, how they fare and if that's going to be the year, the, the year we've been talking about for 10 years now, um, <laughs> it's more about guys being in their contract years and wondering, you know, if, you know, if Nylander comes back a bit and is a hundred point guy still, and Matthews is still scoring around 60 and then Marner ups his game on top of that because he's in a contract year. John Tavares does the same. Matthew Nice does the same. It's like, I just wonder what that looks like. It's kind of like optim- an optis- optimistic look at it. But I mean, the narrative that everyone's been preaching, if you're not a Leafs fan, is how is this team going to win when they're paying four guys so much? And if it's going to be 50, did you say 53 53. That's yep. a lot. That's <laughs> the highest. It, it, that's the highest. They're really going to have to rely on some entry-level contracts kicking in if that's uh, Minton or Cowan, if he's ready, or uh, the Finnish... Niemela, Niemela defenseman. That's it. Yeah. Um, you know, a few of these guys are going to have to step up, or you're going to have to find more of those. I hate, I hate speaking it, but the oh, the hometown discount. Oh. Everyone, everyone saying that. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. And it's funny we were talking. Uh, I was talking to Luke about this deal uh, earlier today, and you know, he mentioned John Tavares and if he's going to take a hometown discount. And then I compared him to Kopitar like you did saying, mm-hmm. you know, 7 million at two years makes more That's sense. That's an easy and comparable, right? They're very comparable in play style. So it makes a lot of sense there. And the fact that, you know, they're both the captains of the team. They've been around a while now. And he, he mentioned similar comparables, but the hometown discount advantage. And I said, Kopitar has been living in LA as long as he's ever lived in Slovenia. Yep. He is now 36 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that is his hometown and he's, he took a hometown discount maybe. So yeah, um, yeah it's just funny. You, you see the comments everywhere talking about hometown discounts. What is Domi going to do? Is he going to expect a raise? Is he going to take a haircut? Is he, you know, what's going to happen and same as Giordano can you can he get another year in and 850k and I don't know it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how it works out I like the math approach you have there that you know all things considered looking at the cap percentage if it works out that way and it's only 49 percent in the future um and they have a few of these entry-level contracts kicked it kick in then I don't know Looks yeah, good to me. I, I think the concern with that is then, you know, there are some good players coming up who also need to be signed. You mentioned Tyler Bertuzzi, who knows if they try to keep him around Max Domi, but then also players like Nyes and Minton will eventually need a contract. Um, Timothy Lilligren underratedly will need to get paid if they want to keep him on the back end. He's been really solid for them this year, especially since coming back from that Marshand injury uh, that he sustained when 
you know, he skated by the bench and Bertuzzi was laughing and not defending his own team. But anyways, we don't talk about that. But I just wanted to, to look in, into the numbers here because it all comes down to percentage of the cap. And as long as the cap keeps coming up, so will player salaries. And going back to those numbers, um, you know, I projected Tavares to sign for about $8 million and and Marner designed for about 12 and a half. Who knows, right? Like Tavares could be a $5 million player at that point, And then they need to bring in another center to, to replace him. Like we just don't know because it's in the future. I'm not predicting that. I think you'll be around an, an $8 million second line center guy, but, but who knows, right? And, you know, maybe Marner turns into a 130 point player. Maybe he's an 80 point player. So there's a lot of hockey to be played before either of those deals are signed and before we can start predicting what the cap is going to look like. But just wrapping up on the Nylander talk, I just wanted to to put it to you and see if you have a grade on the contract. Mm, I'd give the contract maybe an A minus. I think that when in the grand scheme of things, like value wise, the value's there. Um, you know, he may deserve maybe a little closer to the 11 million mark, you know, around a Pasternak, just below Pasternak. Um, and the only reason I don't give it an A plus because this team needed to find some extra money. So for the team's sake, it's, it's maybe a B plus, but for Willie Nylander, I mean, A plus plus. Um, yeah. So that's my grade on it, but just, just quickly, I wanted to, kind of mentioned another thing luke said is that you know a guy like tyler bertuzzi it's all going to be up to the playoffs that's what his contract's mm-hmm. going to determine is another team going to steal him um for five six million dollars because of how he plays in the playoffs but to me if you're not one of the core four the only thing that matters is how you play in the playoffs for this team for your contract next year i think that's going to be the benchmark for every one of the every single one of them even Lilygren. it's like if you perform in the playoffs you're going to be you can expect more because that's what's going to matter for for these guys going forward and you know there's a revolving door of one million dollar guys that want to play in toronto and can play in a bottom six so if you can perform in the playoffs that's how you're going to get uh you know the portion of the the 47 percent remaining (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like let's be honest it would be nice to have depth players in toronto who make a little more money, who have a little bit more responsibility, but you know, it, it, it's a salary cap problem because it's a triple hard cap league and that's just the way it is. But you know, at the end of the day, it's a pretty good problem to have. Toronto just ended up drafting three really, really solid superstar players, which a lot of teams can't really say. So, you know, you hear all the talk there, there's a lot of Leafs hate out there, but you know, you drafted Matthews, you drafted Nylander, you drafted Marner. All three of those guys are pretty damn good. You, you can argue maybe you shouldn't assign Tavares, but that's revisionist history at this point, right? We, we all knew that the deal wasn't going to look great by the end of it. And we all knew that he was also offered $13 million by San Jose at the time. So I don't know. It, it, I think it's revisionist history to, to say things like that. But just I, I think it's a good problem to have and, and they'll eventually figure it out as long as the cap keeps going up. Personally, I gave it a B plus. I thought the deal was fine. It was clearly a little bit of an overpay. Um, and I think that's safe to say when you just look around the league and you look at the types of players who are the most comparable to William Nylander in terms of their career production, they don't make $11.5 million. Some of them make you know 10 plus, but it's just the price 
that they had to pay given the fact they had almost zero leverage in Toronto. Like they wanted to get this done. They made it very clear they wanted to get this done and they wanted to get it done as soon as possible so they could make a deal at the deadline as well. Um, so it just is what it is, right? Like I'm happy it's done. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Hopefully he gets a nice little contract boost like most players do after they sign a big ticket. They they kind of go off a little bit, which is nice. Um, hopefully he gets that. Um, but at the end of the day, and I think this was uh, on 32 Thoughts, they were talking about the Maple Leafs were trying to find a trade partner for Nylander to upgrade the defense or to trade someone else so that they could fit Nylander in and upgrade the team in a different way. But in terms of money in, money out for this season on a team who is competing, it just do- doesn't make sense. Those players aren't available. And that's You're going to trim Nylander's $6.9 million contract when he's playing like this. Exactly. Like you want, they still are trying to win a cup this year. Like you exactly. That. And so it just, that's what they concluded. It just didn't make sense. Those types of players who are good enough to replace William Nylander aren't out there. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, and some other, like something else, and I know we're trying to wrap up on the Nylander talk, but something else we have to consider too is, you know, certain states and all of the provinces have uh, a, a tax issue, which is very clearly um, a problem for some NHL teams. You know, the tax in Ontario is far more than it is in a no state tax state like Florida or Texas. Um, you know, California and New York are are complaining a little bit here too, but it's it's just the nature of, of what it is, right? So yeah, I heard at least that. you get to live in California and New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but but I heard I heard this. It was uh, Sebastian Aho who makes I think just a little bit less than ten on his new deal. I forget exactly what the number is, but someone said that after taxes, he'll be bringing in more U.S. dollars per year than Nylander will be making 11 and a half. I remember and this stat will never leave my head is when the Steven Stamkos talks came up about him potentially coming to sign in Toronto uh, and he signed for 8.5 in Tampa. Um, Something. It was for, for him to make it as much in Toronto as he would on that 8.5 contract in Tampa, he'd have to get paid 12 million by Toronto. So mm-hmm. it's it just back then too. Yeah. Back then, back well. then. Yeah. It, it's interesting, man. Like I think there needs to be an equalizer for that kind of stuff, but of course that's well above what we're going to discuss on the podcast. And then there, there's the whole discussion though, of like Willie Nylander is going to be on every single poster in Toronto and is going to be riding the subway and Scotiabank commercials and whatever the yes. commercials. So yes. Good he's going point. to be making a lot of money. <laughs> Absolutely. Good point. Nick Kiprios was talking about this yesterday on his show with Justin Bourne. Good point. But the problem is that takes time and effort. So you have to work for that kind of stuff too. It doesn't just, you know, like not that it's that much work to sit on the subway and send some text messages and look good on camera, but it is what it is. You still have to go out. And yeah, do it. You, you have to take a couple of pictures and do a couple video takes. But like, I bet you, without raising a finger, a lot more people know about Willie Nylander in Toronto than Sebastian Ajo in Carolina in Raleigh. Yeah, very true. Okay, final point on Nylander, and it's actually a question to you. Now that Willie, starting next year, will be making eleven point five million dollars per season, that ties him for the fifth highest paid player in the entire NHL with Eric Carlson. If today, 
And and this was Frank Saravalli who posed the same question. I just thought it was so great. I, I wanted to ask you. If today all 32 teams had a fantasy draft and had to rebuild their team from scratch, how high does William Nylander go? If he's paid the fifth highest, he should be the fifth best player, right? That's the argument. So I, I wanted to, to, to see where you think he would go. Well, you got to remember that there's some some pretty ridiculous contracts out there. And if you're going to build a team, you got you to factor in youth. There's a bunch of young players that are going to get picked first. And then there's the bargain contracts that are going to get picked. So, you know, I think Nylander still falls pretty, pretty deep because of that. You're How about pick- contracts aside though? Like, like contracts aside, just who do you, like, do you think he's a top five player in the league? Obviously no. not. But top 10, top 20, no. top 30? First rounder is the question. Like where yeah, exactly? Yeah, he's a first rounder. Yeah. I yeah, think he's that, t- around 25 maybe. Like if I, I don't know, 20th. Like I, I have to, I'd have to sit down and really think about this. I know. Like it's been a so, while since I've, I, I've, you know, ranked every player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just off the top of my head, I'd, he, I'd, I'd expect him to fall somewhere between the, the 20 to 25 mark. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm still factoring in contracts in my head there. Um, it's hard yeah. though. It, it's know. hard. And that's the point, right? Like I just, do you, do you build a team with a winger? That's the thing. Like, that, that's also true. There's that's, centers and defensemen, defensemen that I'd rather take. That's also true. I just thought it was an interesting question, especially because he's now the fifth highest paid player in the league, which is crazy, but it's just, it's the way things go. And, and we've both said, we're not uh, too concerned about that going forward. Okay. Done on Nylander. Yeah. All right. Sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity and I want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started or to get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits and there's never been a better time to sign up. So when you visit our page at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers for new users. And when you register through the link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. So if you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our brand in the meantime, please consider signing up for your next sports book at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. This podcast is sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek using the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Let's get to the big trade that happened. Um, we'll, we'll discuss the trade and then we will send it to an interview that Harper did with Joel Vanderland earlier today, who is uh, a big Flyers fan. So he has some interesting things to say about this. But the deal is the Philadelphia Flyers send Cutter Gauthier to the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Jamie Drysdale and a second round pick. 
there's a lot of context to a case. Should I go, should I go through it or yeah, get into it? Okay. Okay. Here's the context. Carter Gauthier allegedly told the Philadelphia Flyers that he would not play for them. After the world championship in 2022, that's when he said to the Flyers, I'm not going to play with you guys. There was conversation. Uh, Danny Briere had some good comments. Um, Torts had a couple comments. Keith Jones, the president of Hockey Ops in Philadelphia, had some comments um, saying that you know they weren't exactly sure if Cutter had changed his mind. But then over the last year or so, the conversations between the two parties, the, the player and, and management, basically dried up completely. They couldn't get a hold of the kid. He didn't want to sign in Philly. He made that decision clear. And it seems like ever since then, Philadelphia has been quietly shopping him. And just yesterday, they finally found a suitor. Um, some good comments out of this, uh, by the way. I mentioned Briere, Keith Jones, and Torts. But actually, another piece of context I should mention is, is we talked about this last night, is that Cutter Goche was a Penguins fan growing up um, who you know, historically hate the Flyers. So I don't know if that factors in, but there's some good comments here. Danny Briere, I'll read the first one. It was a long time coming. It's been going on for a while. We tried to give him space. We got in touch with him many times, but then he would not communicate. So at some point we had to make a decision. And then we thought that, uh, or, or, or we, we thought that when that happened a few days ago, this is probably the time to get him at his highest value. Meaning after his uh, incredible performance at the World Juniors, he was at his highest value and they should pull the trigger. And, and they absolutely did. He said, uh, this is Danny Breer continuing. He looked at us at the draft and told us he was built to be a flyer, that he wanted to be a flyer. And then a few months later, he told us he didn't want to be a flyer and that he doesn't want to play for the flyers. When we realized that he refused to talk to us now, it had been months and he didn't want to be a flyer. He didn't want to be in F Philadelphia. So it was time to make something happen. That's Danny Breer, the, the GM of the team. It's crazy. But a couple more quotes here and, and then we'll, we'll get into evaluating the trade. Keith Jones, president of Hockey Ops, simply said, if you don't want to be a flyer, you're not going to be a flyer, which I thought was pretty interesting. And Torts, maybe the best quote of the day, said, I don't know, cutter from a hole in the ground. <laughs> so I thought that was hole pretty- or a hole, hole in the wall. Yeah, the oh yeah, person to misquote him today. I wait. Who was the first? Who was the first? Chicklets. I did they? Okay. Well, this man, I don't like Tortorello. I don't like Tortorello. No, it's a hole in the wall. But no, I don't like no, no, wrong. But don't misquote someone the way they did. Like that was kind of messed up. They said that he said, "I don't know, Katargoche from a glory hole in the wall." Like okay, I saw that, but that was. Yeah, supposed to be. A I joke. know it's a joke, but yeah. how many people didn't take that as a joke because they're on the internet and stupid? But the saying is "hole in the ground." I think that's why I misquote. It's not hole in the wall. I think that's wrong. Maybe I mean maybe it's I've cultural. Never, yeah, maybe it's yeah. I don't know Canada, U.S. Who knows? But anyways, it's all Highway Twenty Eight. Yeah, uh, yeah, County Road Twenty Nine. That's anyway, what I meant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with all of that case. Give me your thoughts on this entire situation because I th I think as it was happening and and more and more information was coming out we were all kind of shocked that this trade happened you know I saw someone say that this is the kind of trade you make when you're really bored and, and playing franchise mode in NHL because it's just like what a random trade but what what were your, your thoughts on the whole situation God I'm a little 
rusty, as you can tell, because we've been off for a couple of weeks. So I'm going to try to keep this in an orderly fashion, this uh, opinion. But when I first, I'll go linear. When I first was told about the trade, it was sent to me, Harper sent it to me. I just said, why? Yeah. And I replied, why for both teams? Yeah. Because at face value, the trade didn't make sense to me. Philadelphia giving up Garakoche because he's, or uh, Cutter Gauthier. Jeez. Gutter Gauthier. Dyslexic uh, speaking. (laughs) Their second Um, best prospect, by the way. Yeah. Who just shined in the world juniors. I get like strike while the iron's hot if you were going to get rid of him. But I just didn't think that it made any sense for them to trade him. And then also I was kind of shocked that Anaheim would move on from Drysdale when you could really build something great at the back end with Zellweger and uh, Michikov and Drysdale. So it was, it was kind of interesting. And then throwing in a second, you know, you're trading uh, as a fifth overall for a sixth overall and adding a second. It's, yep. It was just kind of wild to, to see all of it right away. Like my gut was like, why? Why? And then I heard that he didn't want to play for Philly. And then I, I turned like, I think most of the internet and was kind of like annoyed or like outraged that someone who was never played in the NHL yep. would just decide that they don't want to play for a team. And I've I've been burnt by this as a Devils fan, but also you know had a, it's been it's shined shown favorably on us as well because um, Alex Kerfoot did the same thing. Obviously, he's not a cutter Gauthier, but he decided yep. he didn't want to play for New Jersey and went to Colorado. And Will Butcher decided he didn't want to play for Colorado and went to New Jersey. So that worked yep. out in the end. But well, how about the most famous one in Adam Fox too? Like yeah, maybe a top three defenseman in the NHL, top five, if you want to argue best, if you want to argue, like yeah. not wanting to play in Calgary saying, I want to go to the big apple and mm-hmm. here you go. So, uh, you know, right away, I'm, I'm kind I, I don't like when this happens, but it's fully in their right to do this. And, uh, you know, maybe there's some reasons we don't know. But it's all the speculating that's that's really annoyed me. Um, people attacking Kevin Hayes, saying it's his yeah. fault, and then death threats and all that. Did you just did you understand garbage. that? Like, where did that come from? Uh, someone in the Philadelphia organization mentioned that this Cutter Goche thing reeked of Kevin Hayes or something like that. It had Kevin Hayes fingerprints all over it, basically, and then that like spread like wildfire and then it all you know philadelphia scumbags all came after (laughs) kevin hayes you know saying that they wish more of his family members were dead and it's just disgusting and i mean i wouldn't you know you don't i wouldn't want i wouldn't want anyone to be texted that and I'm just not surprised coming from Philadelphia fans, which is a terrible thing that I'm saying, but it's a sad truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's disgusting. It's all the speculation of why he wouldn't want to go there. That's driving me nuts. But I also don't like the lack of communication, especially to two respectable you know, guys in the industry or in mm-hmm. the league, in Jones and Breer. And I have to wonder if, you know, if the old boys club of the NHL is still alive and kicking, like, how is this going to play out on the, his future? Because, you know, you're disres- disrespecting two pretty respected, pretty well-respected guys. So that's, I don't like that either. But 
I find it funny. Like I, I actually have a little bit of a conspiracy theory for you that uh, this is um, a, a play by the Toronto Maple Leafs and the <laughs> Toronto media because they wanted to, the news to get away from Willie Nylander. So they paid Cutter Gauthier to do this. And um, that's why we're not talking about Nylander as much. That's my conspiracy theory. But I mean, I feel like signing Nylander is a positive thing. No, I feel like they want they would want people to talk about it. Uh, there is some hate. The media There's is pretty bipolar when it comes to Toronto, no matter what they do. So I think yeah. they just would rather not talk about it. But in the end, all of this being said, I don't think it matters that much in the end because all things considered, they got a great return. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I don't half the time when this happens, the guy walks. Mm-hmm. You lose an Adam Fox, you lose a Will Butcher, Jimmy VC, Alex Kerfoot, Eric Lindros. Like there's all these guys. Well, they didn't, he didn't, different, yeah. but yeah. yeah, same idea. Um, yeah, same idea. You either lose them for free or you panic sell and don't get great value for them. Well, I think this worked out. Like they traded them. It was very smart to wait until after the World Juniors because he looked great in that tournament. Yeah. Best forward. So it, the best time to sell him would be right now, considering he's never played an NHL game. And in return, you got a high draft pick, puck-moving defenseman, what everyone covets in the league, especially Philadelphia, considering they have none of those. Um, so <laughs> it's worked out pretty good there. And the fact that Jamie Drysdale was he played a hundred and hundred and change yeah. NHL games already. Yeah, he suffered with some injuries so far, but he's looked good and he's only going to improve at twenty one years old. So I think that and, and a second round pick on top of that. Yeah. I think they got good return in the end. I think eventually this will blow over until they play Philadelphia next year, and then it'll get brought up again. But other than that, like. This yeah. is such a flash in the pan. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like there, there's more to this story and it's probably going to trickle out as the, the days, weeks and months go on. There was a, a tweet from Elliot Friedman talking about how the relationship between Goche and the Flyers had broken down. Something to do with the Flyers not wanting to have Goche turn pro this year because they didn't want the bonuses on their cap because it would put them over and they would have had to move a, a regular NHL body out. That's if, if Goche met those bonuses. So something to do with that. I thought that was really, really weird and shocking because the Flyers were supposed to be rebuilding or at very least retooling. So why are they pressed up against the cap for no reason and not letting their players who want to play play? So, so that was weird to me. Um, a couple things though. Initially, you mentioned that when you heard, oh, we didn't want to play for Philadelphia, you were a bit annoyed because, you know, how arrogant is that to be drafted to the NHL and and then to say, no, I'm going to pick the franchise I play for, or at very least, I won't be playing for the franchise that that picked me. How arrogant is that? I was a bit annoyed too. But then, as we've kind of already mentioned, you know, after thinking about it a little bit more, I, I, I kind of came around and I was like, you know what? At least he told them. At least he, you know, eventually told them that he didn't want to play so that they could get a good return instead of 
you know, like you mentioned, panic selling at the last minute, um, you know, when, when the GM smells some blood in the water or just letting them walk for absolutely nothing. So I thought that was good. Yeah, but the, it's still, it's the other still side arrogant. of that coin is it's pretty self-serving for him to tell them so that he gets traded and then can sign with that team because he wanted to play this year. And the, uh, the, the flip side is he waits two years until he's a free agent to sign with whoever he wants. And if he wanted to play this year, I don't think he's going to be willing to wait two years. That is so, true because he'll be, he'll be too good for he'll be too good to not be playing pro hockey. It, yeah, it, he's just gonna rack time. up Hobie Baker awards. Like, that's yeah. no, that's no fun. <laughs> yeah, and and the next thing I wanted to bring up too is did uh, did you listen to the Keith Jones interview about all of this? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was really interesting. One of the first things out of Keith Jones's mouth, Keith Jones's mouth, about this whole thing was, you know, I really respect all of the other general managers who yeah. I talked to who kept this silent. What did you make of that comment? Because I thought it was odd. I didn't think it was odd. I think it was a, you know, this type of stuff nowadays, it leaks. Everything is leaking Mm -hmm. in the NHL, in sports. Like, then you've got guys looking at flights booked out of LA to Toronto (laughs) for Otani and and stuff like that. Like, something's going to leak because... Mm -hmm that's just the way it is now it's too easy so the fact that this never got out and it's been in the works since the world championship of 2022 yeah like that's or 2023 the world championship would be no it was was 2022 it was the 2022 world championships and so they've been shopping him for over a year i guess most aggressively at the most recent draft and they couldn't find a suitor. But the reason I thought it was so interesting and odd is that if you're a general manager and you know that a player in another team's organization doesn't want to play for that organization, it only benefits you to let other organizations know because it'll drive the price down. So that's why I was just so shocked that whatever few or small group of, of GMs we're talking about this kind of stuff or who had this information wouldn't share it. Will it drag the price down? Or is wouldn't, then wouldn't you think so? Because then the team trading the away demand Cutter Gauthier, goes way up though. But then the team has no leverage. But what team doesn't want Cutter Gauthier? Like I'm offering a blue chip prospect and a first. I guess I didn't th- I didn't think of it that way. I just thought of the team having no leverage. But I'm yeah, thinking, I guess that's I'm that's a valid like yeah. the fantasy hockey when I saw that uh, the Sorokin trade today, I was like, I wish I could have jumped in there and offered one draft pick higher. Like, yeah. I would have gave a fifth for Sorokin. Yeah. So if I'm the other GMs, I, I would be like trying to keep this hush-hush so I could offer like Anaheim. I wouldn't tell anyone because I'd be like, hey, this is the guy we want. We want to build a, a core four of our own on forward. So we're bringing him in. I'm going to keep this quiet so no one says Jamie Drinsdale in a first, you know? Right. So I guess it was in the interest of the teams dealing with Philadelphia to keep it silent, but for selfish reasons. But because for selfish region, yeah. reasons, but then you can also sp- like spin it. They are probably spinning it as a respect thing. And but it's sure, whatever you but want it's to say. For selfish but it's reasons. For selfish reasons. <laughs> Be, because if, yeah. Be, yeah, because Keith Jones was happy that they didn't 
share yeah. this this info because then they would have lost all of their bargaining power in a trade, yeah. even though it would have created a bidding war, probably, because Cutter Goche is a good prospect. I mean, we argued at the time, you know, in, in the draft episode that he probably went too high in, in that draft at fifth overall. There were some other good players available, but he's still a pretty damn good prospect. And if you think back to when we were arguing that, we were arguing it, we were arguing it in the in the light of like uh he only went that high because he fits the mold of Philadelphia so well. Yep. Yep. Dude, he would have been a great flyer. He fits it perfectly. Yeah. So that that's funny to look back on now. Yeah. But it is pretty interesting too that, you know, I, I heard that uh, someone said today that Anaheim has been looking at Goche for a while. They wanted to draft him that in that same draft and, and you know, the, the chips just didn't fall that way. So it, it, it's interesting anyway, but is that all we have uh, on, on the trade? I'm trying to see if I have anything else in my notes here. I, I, I guess, yeah, I, I do have a question. Trade grades is, is what I want to finish off with. Anaheim trade grade and Philly trade grade. Oh, it's probably an A plus for Anaheim and a a minus or an A for Philadelphia. Yeah. Like I I don't I don't think I see this going much better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Philly like really made the best of a bad situation exactly. and got a pretty damn good return for it too. So, yeah, I, I gave an A and a B plus respectively. Um so there you go. It's okay. funny just quickly, it's funny that a guy is willing to leave his only willing to leave his country of Russia to play for the Philadelphia Flyers and then a guy from the United States born in Sweden is unwilling to move to Florida to play or Philadelphia to play. So that is true. eh? That's interesting. Funny how that works. Something going on there today. Actually, I don't know if you saw this, but I thought I'd mention it. Did you see the, the Sean Avery clip? today talking about this situation yeah i know you're a sean avery fan <laughs> turns out cutter gochier liked it um and sean avery was just trashing philadelphia their fans their management danny yeah. breer son all of that stuff going on so and cutter gochier liked it so i guess he is a real you know he's in the thick of things here he's he's in the weeds and when he comes back to philly he's gonna try to torch them on the ice so oh Better keep his head up. Yeah, it'll be must-see TV, that's for sure. But yeah. all right, I think that's it for episode 194. We're now going to send it to an interview between Harper and Joel Vanderland for some more discussion on the trade between the Flyers and the Ducks. All right, joining us now on the Boys in the Booth podcast is a guy who has been on before. Uh, he is the former uh, content and communications coordinator for the Belleville Senators, uh, also has provided uh, content support in the past for the Niagara Ice Dogs of the OHL. He is Joel Vanderland, uh, avid Philadelphia Flyers fan as well, and he joins us now. Joel, how are you today? Thanks for doing this. I'm doing really good. Uh, good to connect with you, Harper, and, and appreciate you having me on. 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, Joel, let's get right into it here. Uh, you're a Flyers fan, as as we've mentioned. You've been on the pod before to talk about your Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, last night, a trade that kind of shocked us all. Uh, the Flyers sending Carter Gauthier a fifth overall pick in 2022. Uh, top American uh, prospect who had a great World Juniors in, uh, in Sweden. U.S., of course, winning gold in that tournament. Uh, the Flyers sending him to the Anaheim Ducks for uh, former sixth overall pick Jamie Drysdale, a right shot defenseman and a second rounder in 2025. And there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I think that, you know, there was that initial shock of the deal, kind of um, asking the question, why did this deal go down? And then I think it was Frank Saravalli who first broke uh, the news that, um, you know, the fact that uh, Carter Gauthier didn't want to be a Philadelphia Flyer and that uh, Keith Jones and Danny Briere went over to Sweden to try and talk to Carter Gauthier uh, at the World Juniors. They were uh, unsuccessful in uh, in doing that. You have uh, some pretty strong quotes from general manager Danny Briere, uh, president of Hockey Ops, Keith Jones. You have the head of uh, Comcast, uh, Dan Hill with some strong quotes as well and of course John Tortorella with uh, with uh, arguably the, the best one at the end of the day on uh, on all of it so a lot to unpack there Joel uh, just your thoughts on all of it yeah I think um, like you said shock initially and, and then you start looking at it and it kind of gets bizarre right it's okay why does Cutter Gauthier not want to be a flyer and so you go to Danny Breer and he says, I don't even really know. I don't know why he wouldn't meet with me. I don't know why he wouldn't communicate with us. And like you mentioned, some strong quotes uh, from Keith Jones there and saying, if you don't want to be a flyer, you're not going to be a flyer. So um, I think when you kind of look at it all, um, the way the Flyers have played this year, um, I think from the outside, I think you would say that they're back on track. Uh, you would say, that maybe Cutter Goche would want to be a part of this, but uh, alas, he does not. So I think it's there's going to be some questions from Cutter Goche that still have to be answered as why he didn't want to become a Philadelphia Flyer in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is going to be a trade that we're going to look at, you know, five, ten years down the road and uh, and see how it played out. Um, Joel, obviously, your uh, your Flyers coming off of a, uh, a tough loss to uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, ironically enough, uh, the team that uh, Cutter Gauthier said he grew up cheering for. Uh, so it would have been quite something to, to see him in a Flyers uniform uh, playing against um, his uh, his Pittsburgh Penguins, but um, what uh, what what do you think of this deal? And and um, you know, do you see it as a reward uh, of some sorts for a Flyers team that uh, has certainly exceeded expectations this season? And uh, despite that tough loss to the Penguins the other night, they're right there uh, in the playoff chase in uh, the Metropolitan. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it, right? I, I think they probably could have had a, a package of just futures, maybe a first-round pick, a second-round pick, et cetera, right? So I think them going out and getting Jamie Drysdale, you're kind of layering, right? You're kind of saying, okay, our power play has struggled. Um, this is a young defenseman that you hope 
in the future down the road can can be a number one uh, power play quarterback for you. He can play in your top four, can eat minutes. He's proven that he can put up points in this league at just 20 years old. So I, I think in some sense it's a little bit of this is probably the best young prospect they felt they could get in a deal. I think Anaheim was pretty aggressive on this. But also, to your point, I think they're looking at it and saying, okay, we can really make a, a run at this thing now and for the future. And it gives them roster flexibility, right? It, yep. If things kind of start to, to slip a little bit, okay, maybe you deal Sean Walker and you got his replacement right in the building in, in Jamie Drysdale. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, with uh, with the trade deadline um, uh, coming, uh, they, they've got some more decisions to, to make in uh, in Flyerland. You mentioned Sean Walker, who's uh, who's played very well uh, for the Flyers so far this season. Nick Sealer is another guy. Um, how uh, how do you see the Flyers uh, going about their business uh, between now and uh, the trade deadline? Yeah, I think I think when you look at it, it's tough in Philadelphia. There's always been a reluctancy to, let's say, for lack of a better word, tank, right? And I don't think they were ever going to fully go out and tank. No. But I think there is a little bit of, okay, we have played so well, and these guys do like to play in Philadelphia. Sean Walker said he wants to extend. Nick Sealer most likely would extend it if uh, Danny Breer uh, offered him a deal as well. So. I think there's a little bit of, I think it's going to go right up to the deadline. I think it's going to be kind of a last-minute decision to see where these guys want to go with extension talks. And then it's going to be, is a team like Toronto or a team that needs a top-four defenseman, are they going to overpay for a guy like Sean Walker? Is Nick Sealer's value going to just go through the roof if he continues to play the way he has? And then for Danny Breer, it's going to be a tough decision to see where they are. Because the way it looks, it, it's going to be where Philly is going to sit most likely, I would say, on, on the edge of a wild card spot when it comes to, to the deadline, um, the way they've played. Because they're able to pick up points. Um, we'll see where Drysdale goes with the power play. Their power play has really plummeted. I think it's at 9, 9%. And you just can't yeah. sustain winning that way. Uh, as good as Carter Hart's been, as good as Samuel Harrison's been in net, um, it's you know it's tough to win when you can't score on the power play, right? As good as penalty kill too. Um, so I think it, there's going to be some tough discussions there, uh, and and I do think that they're really trying to build a foundation here. They're really trying to layer prospects. I think that's one of the reasons why Jamie Drysdale was so uh, attractive to them is that they can maintain being competitive right now while also getting in a guy that's going to be here for the next ten years. 12 years, right? So, yeah. Uh, and, and they've been looking for a defenseman forever. Ryan Ellis, Matt Niskanen, right? Tony D'Angelo, even uh, Ristoline. And so they, they've been looking for a right shot defenseman. They've been paying a lot of draft capital to find <laughs> it, and they just have not found it. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, well said. And, uh, you know, we, we heard Briere. Um, say uh, on top of everything else about this whole situation with Cutter Gauthier that, uh, you know, the uh, the blue line was a real focus uh, for them. And, uh, you know, a, a future on the blue line with uh, the likes of Sanheim, York, um, Bonk, and now Jamie Drysdale looks pretty good. So, um, Joel, uh, thanks so much uh, for, for doing this. Uh, thanks for your insight on uh, your Philadelphia Flyers. Certainly some surprising news, but... Uh, 
looking forward to reviewing this deal again down the road and uh, in in the meantime looking forward to seeing uh, how the rest of this season plays out for the uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers and uh, by the way you can uh, follow Joel um, as a uh, freelance journalist and digital content creator uh, you can follow him on his website at Joel Vanderland He's got some great pieces uh, up there on uh, on his website. So, Joel, thanks so much for your time, man. All the best. Yeah, thank you, Harper. Really appreciate uh, talking to the Flyers with you today. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.